Welcome to the This Week in Rays Baseball podcast. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Welcome to our latest podcast. A lot has happened over the last week. The Steve Pierce signing finally became official on Thursday night, but so did a big trade. The Rays getting Corey Dickerson, an outfielder from the Colorado Rockies, and moving Jake McGee, a reliever in a four-player deal, and joining us to chat about it. And kick off our podcast is the Vice President of Baseball Operations for the Rays, Haim Bloom. Haim, thanks very much for being with us. And first of all, tell us what went into making this trade and how does it make the Rays better in 2016 and beyond. Corey Dickerson's a guy we've had our eye on for a while. Um, we see him as a, as a very good bat and especially as a left-handed bat brings uh, even more balance to our lineup and really someone who has a chance to hit in the middle, middle of our order. And that's not easy to find. You mentioned left-handed. How important is it left-handed and controllable for four years when you look at a lot of the outfielders in the race system, aside from Kevin Kiermaier, um, and you just acquired an infielder in Brad Miller, most of the guys in your organization right now are heavily right-handed. That's true, and that, that was part of the reason why we felt Dickerson really helped us out. We were able to add more left-handed hitters earlier in the offseason when we got Miller and Morrison in that deal. Uh, and this just gives us a more balanced, more flexible lineup. Uh, so the handedness uh, that Dickerson brings to the table was a big part of it. A lot of pitchers are right-handed, obviously, and it helps uh, You know, left-handed hitters are generally going to be much more successful against them. There probably are a couple obvious questions that fans have asked me since the trade was announced or while it was being rumored and things that went through my head as well. One are the splits, which Matt Silverman addressed uh, at least his confidence in why he believes that, you know, Corey Dickerson's not going to have that wide disparity that he did at Coors Field home road splits. Um, why, what makes him a guy who will perform well at Tropicana Field and other American League ballparks, etc.? That is something that we spent a lot of time on in discussing this deal and working on this deal uh, because Dickerson is a guy who, to this point in his career, has only had one home park in the major leagues, and it's a very unusual park. And we've seen in the past that hitters' home road splits while they're playing for the Rockies are not necessarily indicative of how they're going to perform in other ballparks once they leave the Rockies, that that environment, there's a lot of unique things that it does to a player's performance. So having done all our homework, we do feel that his skill set's going to translate. In particular, he has the ability to put the bat on the ball. He can hit many different types of pitches. He's always been a good off-speed hitter as well. Um, and uh, he hits the ball hard, and he's done that on the road as well. And as we were looking at this player really from, from, uh, from all angles, I'll give you an example. Uh, one of the scouts that we have, uh, Bob Cluck, who saw this player the most, does a lot of his coverage out of San Diego. So he was able to see Corey in a pitcher's park a lot and came away very impressed. So we feel that this, this guy, when you, when you look at him and when, when you break down what he does and how he does it, that it's an offensive skill set that's going to translate uh, across all ballparks. And obviously he has the power and the ability to hit 20-plus home runs and gives you guys uh, a lot more pop in, in the lineup. And we'll we'll get to that with the addition of Steve Pierce. But with every trade you have to make, there is going to be some pain. And uh, the loss of Jake McGee. How difficult was it to part with a guy who's been such a dependable reliever and an important piece of the clubhouse over the years? Really difficult. Uh, Jake has been here uh, almost as long as anybody in the history of our club, I believe, second longest, only to Shields. Um, and, you know, we've all gotten to know him over the years. We've seen him grow up and become uh, really a stalwart for us. Obviously, on the field, everybody knows how impactful he's been coming out of the bullpen. He's one of the, the better relievers in the game. Uh, but 
in the clubhouse and the attitude that he brought to our club and his willingness to take the ball whenever, not be phased by any situation, is really important. And it's certainly going to leave a hole. Now, we decided it was a price worth paying for what we were getting, uh, but it is going to leave a hole in our club. We're hopeful that, as many guys have, have done over the years, that we have uh, some guys here who have a chance to step up and fill that role. Is the group, though, deep enough right now, or do you guys need to add from the outside via trade, via free agency, to at least whether to have more options in spring training? We do feel really good about the group that we have, uh, both the guys that we have on the 40-man roster and some of the non-roster invites coming into camp that are going to get an increased chance to show what they can do. Uh, but we are going to look in the time between now and, and opening day. We're going to be on the lookout for any ways to improve the club as a whole, and certainly the bullpen is going to be uh, one of the forefronts of, those, of that search. Now, this trade obviously has Dickerson and McGee as the key pieces, uh, but there are still two players, one on each side. First, touch on the decide or the decision to move a guy like Herman Marquez, who you just added to the 40-man and will turn 21 first week of spring training. This was another tough, uh, tough player to move, and a tremendous job uh, by Ronnie Blanco and his staff in Venezuela finding this player, signing him, and then by our development staff to bring him to this point. Uh, he's got a chance to be a pretty good pitcher. Uh, but again, uh, someone that we thought was worth uh, the price paid, and we're really excited to get Kevin Padlow. Uh, we've liked him since he was in the draft. Uh, he's a big, strong kid, very young for his levels, uh, has performed very well, a very advanced offensive approach, has bat speed, has the ability, a good hitter with the ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark, also uh, stole 33 bases last, uh, last summer, and has the ability uh, to be a very good third baseman as well. So it's a nice player to add to the lower levels of our system. The trade of Marquez creates 40-man roster room for the guy that you officially signed yesterday, and that's Steve Pierce, who's obviously had a whole lot of success in this ballpark. Were you surprised that he fell to you uh, as the free agent market continued to unwind this offseason? It's been a unique winner on the free agent market. Uh, certainly, uh, when we saw we had the opportunity to acquire him at, at a price that fit us, we were really excited. Now, we don't necessarily expect him to hit for us the way he hit against us in this ballpark. I think that's too much to expect. But we do really like what he's going to bring to our lineup. Uh, this guy has legitimate power, and he's not just a power hitter. He's also a good hitter who can drive the ball to all fields. And he brings some versatility, too, on defense. He can play multiple positions. He even played about a dozen games at second base last year for the Orioles and did a credible job. And with the way that we like to be able to move players around, and not just in-game, but also have depth within the 25-man roster for when guys are banged up or guys go down, that we have other people who can step in and, and fill in and do so at multiple positions, we think it adds a great deal of depth to our lineup. You've now added five position players this offseason who are likely to play important roles this year. Uh, Logan Morrison and Brad Miller early on, Hank Conger, uh, and now Dickerson and Pierce. Um, was Did you believe going into the offseason you had that big a shift? And where is this team better offensively now than it was at this time in September? I don't know if we thought at the beginning of the offseason that we would have necessarily this much turnover, uh, but we saw opportunities to improve our position player core, and, and especially with guys like Dickerson, guys like Miller, to do it with players who have a chance to be here for a while, who we, who we have under control for some time. And so that was very appealing to us. And uh, I, I think really one through nine, we feel we've got a much deeper group, a group that's more able to withstand the ups and downs of a season and... Uh, really be competitive against many different types of pitchers. And with that, I guess the Rays are still built on pitching and defense. 
do you still believe the team is as good defensively going into 2016 as it was, let's say, last year with the additions you've made? Well, we still have a lot of standout defensive players, and I think a lot of the guys who have done such a good job defensively in the past are still here, obviously, uh, both on the infield and the outfield, and obviously most notably in center field. Um, pitching and defense, as you said, is, is a huge part of what we do, and that's still going to be a big part of our formula. Um, and we don't necessarily want to trade off a de- uh, trade off defense to get offense. Sometimes you do make those trade offs a little bit, but we feel really good about the abilities of the guys that we brought in. I am good stuff. Thanks for a few minutes, and I'm sure you guys have still plenty of work to do over the final three weeks. We do. Thank you, Neil. Oh, we appreciate High and Bloom joining us to talk about the Rays trade for Corey Dickerson and the signing of Steve Pierce, and we look at it from another angle with one of the voices of the Rays. Dave Wills. And Dave, first of all, what was your initial take when you heard the news about the trade? And obviously, about a week sooner, things had started to filter out about Steve Pierce coming to Tropicana Field and making this his home. Well, my initial reaction is, I mean, obviously, you've got to get some, give something to get something. And, uh, you know, I, I just really was a big, big fan of Jake McGee's over the last several years. Uh, he was one of the top relievers in the game. Uh, you felt very, very comfortable if he was on the mound pitching with a lead, that uh, it would stay that way when he was done. And uh, he's going to be missed. Uh, he was a, he's a quality pitcher, um, one of the top relievers in the game, as I said. But he's also a quality person. And I think, you know, again, you forget that this is a business sometimes because, uh, you know, he and his wife are, are two super people, and uh, they're both going to be missed. But I wish him the best of luck and hope he does very, very well with Colorado uh, this coming season. But when you look at Corey Dickerson, you can see why Matt Silverman and company and Hein Bloom and those guys, Eric Meander, made the trade. Because, uh, as you know, Neil, how many times did uh, you do post-game shows where you said, well, it would have been nice to have one more bat, or if it would have been nice to be able to have somebody to protect Devin Longoria. Uh, this guy is a proven, you know, for a couple, two or three years, big league hitter. And, uh, you know, it, there, he's not a prospect. He's a guy who can hit and a guy who can uh, give you some power. I know there's always that talk about, uh, well, what's he going to do now that he doesn't play half his games? In Colorado, how's that going to translate? But, uh, you know, reading a lot of the reports and uh, checking things out on Twitter and online, uh, people just have nothing but good things to say about this guy's offensive attributes, and I'm looking forward to seeing him in a race uniform. And I think his work ethic, too, and you, you mentioned bats. I mean, I don't know if it's a difference in philosophy, but you, know, you look at the potential of the Rays lineup this year with Longo and Logan Forsythe, who had 17 homers, and Steven Souza Jr., if he stays, you know, on the field, along with Dickerson and Pierce, I don't think they're all going to hit 20 homers, but there are actually five guys on this team that you could say, well, all five of them could hit 20 homers or more this year, which is something we haven't said for a while. No, it's been a, it's been a while. And, and, and obviously, too, I mean, Matt and company have kind of stepped out of their comfort zone because uh, we're a team that is kind of built around pitching and defense and always has been. But, uh, you know, it's a case where this kid can give us some offense. to give us, uh, you know, against Steve Pierce, is another guy, we haven't really talked about him yet, uh, that can give you a threat at the plate. And uh, too many times over the last few years, we've just had two easy outs at home plate. So, you know, again, it, it could be one of those cases where, you know, you're able to slot Corey Dickerson right in the middle of the lineup, whether it's behind uh, Evan or in front of him, who knows. And then you've also got a chance then where maybe you can put, you know, Steven Souza Jr. and a couple other guys in uh, a little less of a, uh, you know, heavy spot for for those guys. Maybe let them relax a little bit. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what a guy like Steven Souza Jr. can do uh, with a full season and maybe with not as much pressure heaped upon him to be the guy. I think uh, last year I think we all expected an awful lot out of the guy. 
And uh, just when he was starting to swing the bat a little bit better, he got hurt, and then never really got it going toward the end of the season. But uh, it's one of those things where I think if he can just kind of settle in maybe to that uh, you know fifth or sixth spot in the lineup and uh, provide some pop there, I think he's going to have a nice year. But, uh, you know, again, there's, there's a little bit of a glut right now in the outfield, a little bit of a glut at first base. People keep asking me, how do you think the Rays are going to do? How are the Rays going to do? And I keep telling them the same thing. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not sure that we're done yet. I think there's still mm-hmm. another move or two to be made. And I think that's what we're going to have to wait and see how it plays out before pitches catch report here in about three weeks. And, and, and it's a good point. And, you know, we'll get into the Pierce signing. But when people ask me uh, initial thoughts on the trade, you know, I can't look at it in totally in a vacuum because, you know, I say, okay, the signing of Pierce plus this trade plus whatever move they make on top of it to help the back end of the bullpen or whatever free agent signings they make is kind of how I look at it kind of in total with those three pieces and and. To me, that'll be the best way to evaluate how this how this trade or some of the you know the transactions they're making this late and before camp works out. No doubt, and and you know, and again, I think that's what we're kind of waiting to see now because uh, you know I, I felt pretty good about our team two, three, four days ago with the fact that we had some depth in the back end of the bullpen that you know maybe Jake McGee can take a little bit of a load off of uh, Brad Boxberger who really had to do some things last year uh, that he had never done in the past. But what I what I'm you know seeing right now is that uh, the the emphasis is on improving our offense to a certain point where we can start swinging the bats a little bit better and give our starters a chance earlier in the game. Maybe also I mean take a little load off the bullpen. How many times did our bullpen mm-hmm. last year have to pitch in games where it was only a one run lead all the time? You know two three four run leads would be awful nice as well. But uh, I still think as you said I think there's still another tweaking of the lineup or two or uh, of the even in the bullpen. I, I, I still would like to see another power arm or somebody at the back end of the bullpen to help things out. I know we're counting on guys like Alex Colomay to take the next step, Steve Gelfs to continue to do what he was doing last year. But uh, our bullpen did not, uh, you know, our, our bullpen took a big hit with Jake McGee moving on. But as I said earlier, you've got you to, you know, in order to get something, you've got to give something, and that's exactly what we did. Uh, unless you do it via free agency, and the race did that with uh, Steve Pearson. I hear that Bell is excited about Steve Pearson. And, and... Oh, Bell is. Bell is barking, no doubt. Yep. <laughs> she likes the Lakeland launcher. And I think a lot of, hey, look, we watched him over the years at this ballpark and saw what he did. And, and I was surprised. If you would have told me the beginning of the offseason that Steve Pierce would be a guy who could fall to the Rays, I would have said, great. You know, let's let's take him. Well, given the fact that what he did to us, uh, you know, when he was a member of the Baltimore Orioles, I wanted him on anybody else but a team <laughs> within our division. Uh, you know, so uh, glad to have him. Uh, again, give this some right-handed power. And, you know, we, we know what he can do. We saw it up close and personal many, many times over the last few years. I know our pitchers are going to be glad they don't have to face him any longer. But, uh, you know, as I said, though, it, it's going to be interesting to see how we mix all this in. You know, Logan Morrison is the guy that we picked up at the beginning of uh, the offseason, and it feels like we've already had him for a couple, two or three years with some of the moves that we've made now. But, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where people talk about, well, what's going to happen, what's going to happen. You know, depth is not a bad thing. We've, we've been in a situation, Neil, over the last several years where, you know, we really don't have a lot of room to maneuver because we have such a fragile lineup. Well, last year we went into the, uh, the season with one or two many outfielders, and it turned out that we needed it. And, you know, everybody thought that David DeJesus would make it out of spring training. Well, David DeJesus was our best hitter for the first, what, six weeks of the season mm-hmm. last year and, and allowed us to get off to a good start because of the way that he swung the bat. So, you know, right now I know that we're not just going to make a move to make a move for move's sake. I know that there, you know, if, if something comes up that makes sense, Matt and Heim and uh, Eric will make that move, but if it doesn't, 
uh, we're going to go into spring training with some depth, and if we have to, you know, who knows? Some team might be one injury away from making a move and giving you what you want, and who knows? We might be an injury away from having to keep one of those guys. So uh, I don't think we're just going to make a move for move's sake, and uh, that's not that's not the way we usually do business. But we do have a little bit of a glut, and it's going to be interesting to see how we uh, – try to uh, get this all figured out and a lot of fans ask me i'm sure similar questions what you're hearing okay what happens with james loney what happens with desmond jennings what happens with renee rivera and i think the david jesus case is the perfect one to use in as, a, as an example you know you can go into camp with a little bit extra depth you can also do what the rays did the year prior when they traded a jose lobaton they thought they had extra catching depth and it ended up getting an Ethan Carnes, who obviously last year played a fairly important role and then helped the Rays get their shortstop and their, their one of their first baseman DH guys for this year in Logan Morrison. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, we'll, we'll see how that does play out, uh, especially when it comes to the catching position. You're one foul tip away from maybe uh, you know not being as uh, thick as you thought you were uh, during spring training or one bad pitch in the dirt that comes up and gets a guy in an awkward position. So, you know, depth is a good thing, and uh, it's something that uh, we have not always had the luxury of. And I know that, uh, you know, we're, we're just not going to get rid of these guys for a bag of baseballs. These guys are, mm-hmm. are proven big leaguers who could probably help us, and, and we'll still have to wait and see how this all plays out. But, uh, you know, it, the, the thing is that as you look at this Rays team right now going into the regular season, um, you, you know, we've got some thickness offensively that we haven't had in years past. And, you know, there's still some what-ifs, though. I mean, you know, what if Desmond Jennings – uh, plays for a couple of weeks, and that knee starts to get sore on him again. And uh, James Loney is going into the final year of his contract and obviously did not have the type of year he wanted last year. But if he has anywhere near the, the years that he had the two previous seasons, you know, he's a very, very, very good first baseman for us. And Rene Rivera, maybe he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder this year. I think last year he kind of thought that uh, he made it and maybe got a little, for lack of a better term, term you know, kind of settled and just kind of relaxed. And, uh, Maybe he's going back to where he needed to be a couple of years ago where he can give us something. And, you know, even if he gave us in the 230 to 240 batting average, I mean, how nice would that be from the catcher's position uh, that we haven't seen for, for a long, long time? So, you know, there, there's a lot of, lot of questions. There, there, there are guys who are veterans, though, who can help us out. And, and they could also maybe help out another team if they get off to a good start in spring training and we stay relatively healthy. I think health is always going to be a key with this team, uh, not only, you know, with some of the guys that we just mentioned, but especially – with the starting rotation, but uh, you know, there's 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 going to be some battles in spring training, and that's good. I mean, we I think last year maybe we had we gave out a couple scholarships, and uh, guys didn't push themselves as much as they have in the past. This year, it looks like some of those scholarships might be uh, kind of hanging to the balance. Interesting stuff, Dave. Certainly some some storylines to watch, not only in spring training, but really the next three weeks and to see what Matt and company do. Uh, and we'll be talking to you soon. It won't be long before our first countdown to opening day show. No, it's coming around to, what, in just a couple of weeks. But, you know, again, i, I got to give kudos to Matt Silverman and Hein Bloom and Eric Neander. I know that, uh, you know, again, we've talked about this a number of times, but to try to keep a team relevant and keep a team battling for a division title while not going into the uh, murky waters for a couple of years like the final four teams did last year in the Major League Baseball playoffs, all four of those teams were bottom feeders for a little while and utilized high draft picks and spent some money for agency to get back and to, to where they were, the Rays are trying to do this while just hanging around 500 for a couple of years. That's not easy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Matt Silverman, Eric Neander, and uh, Hein Bloom are really, really doing a wonderful job because most teams will just say, let's tear it down and build it back up. We're trying to do this on the run, and it's not a very, very easy thing to do, but they're doing a wonderful job so far.
You got it. Well said. We'll see you soon. Thanks for a few minutes. Anytime, Neil. That's Dave Wales, and we certainly appreciate him joining us. Most of the news this week involves Ray's trades, but there's a member of the Ray staff who was recognized this week, and he joins us right now. He's now a member of the International League's Hall of Fame at the AAA level. I'm talking about the Ray's third base coach, Charlie Montoyo. Charlie, thanks very much for joining us, and tell us, what does it mean to get this honor? Thank you, Neil. It's a great feeling. It's pretty awesome. Tell us how you found out and what it means to you, because, you know, to get into any Hall of Fame is a big deal, and they're, they're not putting a lot of people into the Hall every year. In fact, you're uh, going in with just one other guy this year in uh, Hensley Bam Bam Mullins. Yeah, Neil, it, it, it's a, it means a lot to me. Uh, as you know, as you will know, AAA baseball is a hard level for players and coaches. It is a grind, and after spending 12 years in in international league, four as a player and eight as a manager, to lean doctor into the IL Hall of Fame, it means that that work was noticed and appreciated, and that really means a lot to me. It's a great feeling. And I know your years in, in Durham uh, as, a, as a AAA manager meant a great deal to you. Are they going to have you out to recognize you, and, and if so, when? Yeah, uh, we're, we're trying to work what day we're going to do it, but that that's going to be awesome, too, because that, that would be my chance to thank a lot of people because that's a great franchise and I'm very happy and honored that I was part of it for eight years. What are your best memories in Durham as a manager and then your best AAA memories in the International League as a player? Yeah, as a player, I remember being in Ottawa the first year of that franchise and, you know, 10,000 people a night. It was pretty special. It was pretty cool and plus we had a good team. And then as a manager, and you know, to be lucky enough to win the division, to have good teams and win the division seven out of eight years at a great franchise like the Durham Bulls, it's it's pretty special. Now, this is your second Hall of Fame induction that's coming up because your alma mater in college is, has already put you into their Hall of Fame. What can you tell us about that experience? Yeah, uh, that, that happened this past uh, October and... and that was something actually that was in the back of my mind uh, for a while that that's something that could happen someday. And then last year when I got a phone call for a 318 area code, I said, no way that could happen. And it was, it was the AD to tell me the great news. And at the induction ceremony at Louisiana Tech, about 10 of my teammates showed up to celebrate with me. And that was pretty special to me. That's awesome. And, and, you know, you think of Louisiana Tech, and I think the first name that comes to mind is Carl the Mailman Malone and his basketball success. So to go into a Hall of Fame for a university's athletic area with a guy who, in, in that, you know, of that success level professionally is pretty cool. Yeah, and don't, don't forget Terry Bradshaw now. That's a good <laughs> <trivia> question. <laughs> <laughs> He'll question me for forgetting that, too. But he, <laughs> Me and Terry Bradshaw in the mailman. Yeah, there cool. you, that's, that's pretty pretty neat stuff. And, and, you know, last year was your, your first year with the Rays at the Major League level. What did you enjoy most about last year, and what did you learn from last year being the third base coach? You know, the, the one thing I enjoyed the most uh, – we, we we have a good group of coaches. Uh, Kevin Cash was awesome, you know, for being a first year manager. He 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 was outstanding to me. Great communicator. Uh, being with Tom Foley again, you know, he he was the one who gave me the job, you know, twenty years ago, and and it was fun to be with him every day. You know, with Rocco Baldelli who played with me. You know, the rest of the coaches, Jamie, you know, Chelsea, 
uh, it, it was a lot of fun. And, of course, we, we we ran out of gas there at the end, but most of the year we were competing well, and, and, and it was good. And I'm looking forward to this year because I believe we're more healthy this year, and, and we're going to have a good year. And you mentioned, you know, 20 years ago when, when you got the opportunity to work in the Rays organization, we now have a lot more employees who've been here for 20 years. So what does it mean to you to have 20 years with one organization now? It, it, it means a lot because you know how it is in baseball. That, that, that's tough to do. And for me, to, this year is going to be very special because to be with the Rays for 20 years and see how how great we have gotten. You know, we're one of the best teams in, in baseball now, and that's a great feeling from where we were to where we are now. It's, it's pretty cool. And, and being my 20th year, it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a great year. Well, we look forward to uh, being part of the 20th year in the race organization with you. Uh, enjoy the rest of your time of the off season in Arizona, and before you know it, we'll see you here in Port Charlotte for spring training. Thank you very much, Neil. I'll see you soon. We thank Charlie Montoyo for being with us on our latest podcast and also our other guests today, Vice President of Baseball Operations, Hyam Bloom, and also Rays Radio Voice, Dave Wills. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you soon.